0: Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Raw Rugby Podcast. Christy Doran here and I'm up in Brisbane at Ballymore, the heart of Queensland rugby. And I'm about to be joined by a special guest, a man who's come back after 15 years abroad coaching overseas with Ireland, Ulster and London Irish. And he's the man that is taking over from Brad Thorne as the Queensland Reds coach. So without further ado, let's get in there and speak to a Queensland great. Well, it's a very warm welcome to the Royal Rugby Podcast. Let's kiss. Uh, You're in Ballymore. You're on the eve of the Super Rugby season. You must be getting excited.
1: Yeah, that's one word for (laughs) it. I'm excited as the coaching team. You know, we've we've come together over the last, you know, two or three months and worked with the lads and they've put their hand up and worked very hard. Um, But we're like every other state. We've all worked hard and... um, You know full of ambition and hopes and uh and dreams about where it can go but uh the reality hits us very soon so it's it's exciting i think it could be a a a really really good competition this super rugby season
0: we're going to go back in time a little bit because it was a number of decades ago sorry to bring up your age um but it was (laughs) it was a few decades ago you were pulling on a, a slightly different reds jersey probably more of a maroon kind of tinge to it but did you ever see yourself when you are playing for the Queensland Maroons and North Sydney Bears, did you ever see yourself transitioning to, to rugby union? Uh,
1: truthfully, no. Uh, I did see myself at one stage, particularly when I had my injuries, that, that coaching was something that was a possibility for me. Um, and uh, I've basically been a career coach, really. That's what I've been, a, a player into a coach, really. I did a bit of odd jobs here and there. And, um, worked for a poker machine company at one stage at the end of my career, who's a sponsor of the club at the Bears, but it's quickly moved to um, working with the um, the academy systems there with the Bears in, in, in the first grade area of coaching. I, it, it, the bug got me early and I've stayed in it for the last, you know, 25, 30 years. Uh, but was rugby on the radar early? No, um, but I certainly thought this was something I'd love, love to do and um, in, in terms of coaching.
0: Totally. Here here we are in 2024. Why do you think you went down a a coaching route in rugby union and and not rugby league?
1: Uh, It it wasn't so much by chance, but there was an opportunity that opened up in terms of a good mate of mine, um, we'd worked, coached against each other and coached together at the Northern Eagles at the time, was contacted by the South African Rugby, uh, about the opportunity to, uh, to be coach, uh, someone that he knew, or if he could coach there and, um, help them out, particularly with, you know, attacking areas and defensive areas. Uh, and that, that guy was Frank Panisi, who I worked with, um, and I ended up just by by virtue of an opportunity that was there, and I thought, why not? Hmm. Um, yeah, we started off with a six-week contract, uh, increased to another further ten weeks, and then uh, suddenly it's a nearly a two-year contract with the with the Springboks, and that's where it all started. Um, weird, challenging, uh, but I guess it was really formative about me getting a bug for what rugby was about. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Frank Panace, pretty well known in rugby league circles, still particularly with the, the Melbourne Storm, if yes. if I'm not mistaken. You grow up and you, you're from Queensland and you're playing rugby league. Did, like at school, boy level, did you play rugby union or were you ever tempted by it?
1: Um, the temptations around the edges and and, and um, dabbled on a couple of things. That, that was the amateur age. At, yeah. You know, or you'd, you'd get you get a bit of money for playing league, you can't play here. Or, you know, the league team would say, it was back in Bundy, but they would say you shouldn't be doing anything with you and you make sure because we pay you and we don't really get injured. You know what I mean? So so it was you always wanted to play every sport as a kid, you know, soccer. it uh, wasn't much so much Aussie rules up there, but you always watched it and uh cricket. Uh you wanted to be part of everything, didn't you? You know, down the beach, get out and surf, whatever. Um, so I guess that was just the genuine curiosity and in the in the way that you know most of us like to live if you were quite sporty. To try everything out but but once you've got a little bit of um traction in the game and in, in, in rugby league you sort of you start going down that track and you start to get really serious about it so it just became a one a one game for me and i try to be best i could be in league and fortunate enough to be having some good people who who mentored me along the way but also you know took me on and gave me opportunities uh, which i'm grateful for you know because all those were learning opportunities and uh it, to be able to experience those things been fantastic and it certainly helped um, be, be um, part of why i'm here now
0: north city bears i know that there's a lot of people that wish that club uh, would be back in, in existence i'm sure you, you, you're among those what about when you're playing a handful of games for the, the queensland maroons and and do you still get stopped down the street every now and again about you know remember those days it, it'd have to
1: be someone pretty old who fills me up um, I think it's more my name gets remembered at times. Um, it's an odd name, I guess, though. If that's brought out, there's some people who definitely, definitely remember the name more clearly than just a normal name. So that, that certainly helps in that terms. Whether it's help, I'm not sure. You have to be reminded that old is not <laughs> not always good. But uh, it's it's brought up here more so than anywhere. You know, you, you know I play for Fortitude Valley, the, the, the rugby league club here. Uh, and when I've met people since I've been back in Brisbane, that's always brought up the old valley days. And, and, you know, uh, from there, I, under Peter McWhirter, actually, who was the coach there at the time, helped me get to the North Sydney Bears. And um, and I was very lucky the following year to be able to represent the Maroons. Um, and that is, you know, it's a boy, boyhood dream to pull that jersey on. And um, to have that opportunity was fantastic. To play at Lane Park, you know, brilliant. You know, what I mean, you know, I didn't get everything out of that journey as I would have liked to because I had some injuries. But I was fortunate enough to be... Considered good enough to wear that jersey and the Aussie jersey afterwards.
0: Well, do you, you know, I speak to a lot of coaches today and and even uh, your predecessor, uh, Brad Thorne, a mentor of his was Wayne Bennett. Uh, who did you have as mentors perhaps that kind of led you towards a, a coaching path or, uh, you know, what were those experiences like playing for the Maroons? Because we know it's such a cauldron, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it, it is a. Good question because I probably had an influence on a couple of people that did make a difference for, for uh, not only sparking that interest in coaching, um, but also consolidating um, how I would go about it and what I should do. Uh, I've mentioned Peter McQuirter earlier, but you know he he was the he he played for the Maroons. Uh, He was coach of the Fortitude Valley team, and he brought me in, and um, he helped me move to. The north city bears but his style of coaching made me appreciate the fundamentals of my position really strongly i ended up with the bears um, the likes of chicken orton and frank stanton were really key but uh, another coach and steve martin who was uh, a coach that really piqued my interest in terms of the further detail and technicalities of the game and the things that made a difference it was very influential in, in terms of where i went as a player uh, particularly where i had injuries And when you Mm. have injuries you work at a different level you're on the sideline um you look at the game differently and that's when i just started to look at the game differently think of it deeply and um add my value with the team as much as i could then so that influence was massive for me um you mentioned wayne bennett before i i i think i only had two origin games under under bennett because i had the injuries and came back but he was he was my first two origins games before i went on a kangaroo tour and then got injured and didn't get back in for a while but i it's funny you learn he wasn't so much a mentor, but he, he he had an influence to this day. I always remember he sat me down in the in the in the hotel room and just a couple of words was to to um um you know, this isn't you haven't made anything at this is just a start. And it just always made me think that the the important thing is whatever you achieve, it's it, it's always a new starting point. Mm. And um sometimes you get selected in a team. I always keep this message to players. Just because you got selected doesn't mean it's an end point it's another starting point. And um, I've always taken that on from what um, Bennett said that day, and said, stay, in, stay focused on what you've got at, uh, stay keen, all those things. Uh, the road forward's better than the road behind you um, in terms of uh, where you want to go, learn the lessons, move forward. So he, he was good. But um, my major influences were those those coaches that just took time in particular and particularly when I had my injuries to allow me to work with them mm-hmm. and, and learn off them. Uh, and then I just forged my own pathway from there in the academy systems with the Bears. Worked with the Bears first grade, went to the London Broncos, came back, joined the Northern Eagles, North and also Manly joining up. Um, and that's when that turned quickly, as I said earlier with Frank Panisi, uh, had a chat to him, I ended up with the Springboks and that, that's where my rugby journey started.
0: Someone like a Wayne Bennett, obviously very well known in this part of the world, but he's probably just down the road. Have you bumped into him since you returned?
1: No, I haven't yet. I'll, I'll definitely make a, a chance to go out and see him and see if he remembers. He uh, remembers me, but <laughs> he, uh, um, he he'd be as busy as I am. I'd say it's it's it is interesting. You want to try and catch up with people, but you are so you know, you're driven by different schedules and in trying to get things done. I've been busy trying to connect with a lot of stakeholders in the game, uh, particularly here in Queensland, ensuring that that the coaching team going well because they're all up Zane's back to Brisbane after a long time away. Jonathan Fisher and Brad Davis have not been here and lived in Brisbane, so they've had to find their feet. So there's a lot of things getting right in terms of making sure the group is good, connecting with the the professional staff, connecting with the QIU and all the stakeholders outside club game. It's a bit busy, um, but I, I guess at some stage, you know, I'll take a breath and and um, maybe go and watch a, a game or a, or a training session or two and connect up with uh, Benny at some stage.
0: I imagine it's not going to be for a little while, uh, given that the Super Rugby season it, it comes up quickly. It's only it's it's less than a month away now. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. it's um, yeah, it is exciting. The truth is, a lot of things now are still a bit of a theory, aren't they? We, wh- who are we? What are we? We've got some, you know, different structures in place, um, different ways we looked at the game. Uh, so we'll see see how that looks against the force in a fortnight.
0: We're going to pack the Reds just for a second. We'll come back to it. But you, you've spent a long time after that that period, that 18 months or so with the Springboks and throughout South African rugby, you come back to the New South Wales Waratahs, get an opportunity, Bob Dwyer, a World Cup winner, another supremely good mentor, I imagine, for a young coach finding their way. What have you seen uh, in these initial few months with the Reds that, you, that are different to what you saw when you were with the waratahs two decades ago when you've got guys like chris whitaker still running around and you know young guys like steve hoyle's probably coming through the ranks too
1: yeah that's great to see by the way you know And i mean that chris spent a lot of time in france too coaching over that way uh yeah, you know, Hoyle's horsey you know he's shown he's shown his qualities hasn't he to be able to win that shoot shield championship but um you know and it doesn't surprise me those two guys eh? even nathan gray Mm. He's in the coaching realm and worked with a lot of those guys. Even Phil Wolfe, you know, uh, coached him, and now he's 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 heading up our country in terms of uh, rugby Australia. Uh, you, you mentioned Bob and and, and McKenzie. I worked with Andy Friend at the time. We're all in that same era. Good mentors for me early on in my rugby coaching career. Good mm. people learn off. I, I still have gems that I take from Bob's handbook, you know what I mean, about little things that just make such a massive difference. But... But in terms of the differences, I, I don't know. I, uh, when I was away for 16, 17 years, a lot of things have moved on. That's for sure. By the time I'd started and finished with the Tars in 2002, 2007, 8, um, yeah, you know, it was healthy here for sure. I'm loath to sort of comment on, you know, why something went down. I don't know. I wasn't in the middle of it all. But there was there's certainly something that's not adding up, and there seems to be good people. But are uh, we? do we understand our differences and and do we know what common ground will make the most difference? Are we in those conversations enough or are there too many factions? Uh, We just got to find, I believe we just got to find the most positive common space that we all agree that we can move forward together. I think we can make massive moves in in 12 or 18 months as a rugby nation in terms of results on the pitch, but also how we build our systems here and get the right alignment and, Mm. and everyone fighting, you know, from uh, on the same battleground together. I mean, I, I, my belief is, you know, rugby league and rug, uh, Aussie rules, don't try and compete with them at, What on the same landscape. Create our landscape and understand our strengths. Mm. Um, our strengths are obvious. You know, we're, none of those games are global. Uh, we have an international global uh, presence. Our game definitely offers many more opportunities for individuals of different sizes and shapes to be involved in different ways so it's massively important to keep recognizing the strengths that you we do have in that area and I think one of the most important things is that our game can be played in many different ways now that might frustrate some people because there's a kick kick focus from some teams and it can be a set piece focus only but I think that's the beauty too and the more that we can recognize how to not let those things overtake the game and get the right blend in our laws and, and application laws and those things and having a willingness of, of, uh, of, uh, being innovative in mm. our game with the, that scope that we have in our game because of many different ways it can be played. I think it's an exciting, exciting thing about our product that we should be looking at more productively and, 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 uh, positively, mm. I mean, instead of lamenting some styles, right, you know, celebrate why they do that and they work to their strengths and they're against, you know, the contrasting styles that can be there. I think, uh, I think they're great stories to have. Yeah, it can get stodgy at times and a bit negative and and we can push that along. But I, I do think there's a lot to like about our game that maybe we just missed that because we've, we're focused on what we're what we're not <laughs> too many times.
0: It was certainly interesting looking at the different styles at last year's World Cup in France and uh, yeah. you know, Ian Foster and comments around the swing box. But at the end of the day, the, the box so successful in what they do. You, you went to Ireland and you, you were away from Australia for a, a long, long time when you took up that role with the irish what 2009 um did you think that you'd be away for as long as you have been
1: i think at the time i didn't i didn't know i didn't know i i hadn't put a timeline up the only timeline was the length of the contract when i was with the waratahs i had one year contract seven six seven years in a row that's what was basically what i had so i worked year to year basically then i got a three-year contract with, with irish rugby so I guess that was the only defining timeline I had was three-year contract, um, and that quickly moved to another extension mm-hmm. and then extension, and then ten years later I leave Irish rugby. Uh, so um, it was a, a, a wonderful, beautiful period from a lifestyle perspective, you know, gaining a, a worldly experience. But um, but in terms of my career, it, it was definitely an important period for me um, to to have now probably around 90. 90 test matches under my belt as a coach and is the only experience that you know, I never dreamed would have happened. You know I mean so that's that's been really good for me. But you know, I didn't expect it to be more than three because that's I knew three in a coach's life, that's probably luxury. <laughs> so I uh, got the three and I'd be able to extend it to 10 and then move on to the London uh, English Premiership scene for another six, seven years is also you know, a blessing in a way. You know, mm. Yeah, it, it's a long time, uh, definitely. But uh, I, I don't take I it. I don't take it for granted that uh, that's for sure.
0: During your, your tenure with Ireland, you, you go to a World Cup, two thousand and eleven. Great victory over the Wallabies. Uh, Robbie Deans and probably a few people still having nightmares from that. When particularly, I think David Pocock missing that that crucial match. And uh, how, how how is it when you coach against your country of birth and? That was a, I imagine, I imagine it's one of the real highlights, that kind of moment.
1: Yeah, I remember because when I was with the Springboks, uh, we we played the Wallabies at Pretoria. Uh, Skinstad scored a tri-lake to beat, and then we had a draw against them in Perth. So I'd experienced it earlier, but then with the Irish team, it, you know, to get to World Cup and play them in that game, it's still one of the highlight games you know, the crab were unbelievable there in the travelling support that Irish have, and you saw that in the last World Cup, but they were down here in their droves in New Zealand too. But that was a special victory uh, on a number of levels, for sure. Where you you toil and work away with people, where you, you, know, you spill sweat and tears and, and effort what you do with someone that's where you are committed and coaching coaching is that you know coaching is your profession and i mean if you only if you only connect it it'll only be one country you won't get very far it's you know this is the this is the beauty of the game it's global If you can maybe towards the end of my career i can help a team like you know georgia or portugal you know those are the opportunities you have so but to represent uh to play against your your country it's it's i don't think it's tough Uh, it's just, you just accept that reality, you know, it's about helping that group of players you with for that time to do their best. Um, and yeah, I've had, uh, had some good times against Australia, for sure, a couple of tough ones, um, hmm. but uh, they're always good battles, Ireland versus um, uh, the Wallabies, that's for sure. Uh, I do remember my first, the first game that my, when I was with the Springboks, my kids were pretty young, but when we were in Ireland, um, my son and daughter were watching and They had had an Irish scarf and a Wallaby jersey, and, um, you know, they were were twitched in between. But no, but as soon as um, Marona and Gara throws a pass that was intercepted and Australia scored, um, they both hopped in the air, but then they sat down and suddenly said, no, no, we don't want that, we want dad to win. So it's interesting where your loyalties lie. It it lies with where you're you're with at the time. And that doesn't mean you're on Australian, it just means that you're committed to your craft, where you are, and my kids were committed to their dad. And, and that became more important than support the Wallabies that day. So, and everyone represents that differently, but it's, it's part of your journey, isn't it? And, and that's one of the beauties of the global game, to have those experiences and experience those things in different ways.
0: Certainly speaking yeah. of the global game, uh, second half of that Irish tenure, there's a man called Joe Schmidt, who gets a, appointed yeah, as, yeah. as your Irish coach. And remarkably, he's now the Wallabies coach, I was part of the press conference just a couple of days ago, where where you spoke about, he will be able to cut through the fluff and 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 make an immediate impact with the Wallabies. Do you remember your first few experiences with, with Joe and 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 what it was like?
1: Well, Joe Joe joined the Irish system through Leinster first, and um, when I was there, we I worked closely with him on a few things um, from an Irish perspective, you know, in and out of the club, which I did with all the provinces in in Ireland, and. He had some had some really strong success with a lot of lads there, and when it moved on and he became uh, coach, I, I held the I held the reins for an interim period while he finished off his season, and um, he came in. So I worked with Joe for around fifty tests, I think, somewhere in that vicinity. I think somewhere around that forty to fifty. We, we had some good success one one two Six Nations, um, and I learned a, a lot of a huge deal from him. Um, but he's he, he just gets to the the are things that matter quickly and and tries to leverage those things that can really drive the game forward and make an individual um understand uh, their role and their job and their accountability and their ownership of something and and in getting those things right he, he he gets to those things that matter uh, very quickly it, the the players do then sense feel a sense of um responsibility and accountability to what they've got to do and it's hard to escape that when it's when it's given in in the way that the joke and can deliver it and it, and it makes sense there's a difference that can that can, it can make a difference mm. so you know I'll be familiar with a lot of things but he's also been out of that system for a while he's been in the with the All blacks uh he went back home to New Zealand I uh, had a lot of success there with the you know, working with the blues and 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 now with um and then with the all blacks so you know there'll be new things that he's picked up along the way and I've got some new things and we, and we definitely will con, uh, connect and, and chew the fat obviously uh, we'll be working working closely in that respect for sure so there's a lot of good things to look forward to Joe coming there and um, I'm not sure when he actually hits the ground but it'd be good to
0: catch up with him it was interesting during his Friday press conference when he was unveiled as the all coach, he described himself as being boring and perhaps, uh, or characterized as being boring and, and maybe a pragmatist and probably the complete opposite to Eddie Jones. How how would you describe him? Because he's kind of, some people have said that he's control freak, but other coaches, and I look at across the international landscape. I feel like there's a lot of head coaches out there that are kind of eccentric in, in many ways. And, you know, Eddie Jones is certainly one, Steve Hansen's been another, as Rasmus, of course, perhaps there's an element that you, you do need to we, have that. We, we're all weird.
1: <laughs> weird in some way to do what we do. You know I mean? It's, it's, it's such an invigorating lifestyle to have, uh, to be a coach at any, as an assistant or a specialist coach, but to be a head coach, it's, it's, you know, there's another level of um weirdness that has must arise because you know there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot around it that you have to um manage um and i think joe has that strength that he can manage a lot of things and um you know crystallizes the most important things to get done here and now and um you know he, he's a very very smart guy you talk about any subject with him, you know what i mean? he, he's a good interesting man to sit down and chat with that's for sure so i wouldn't call him boring that's for sure from my perspective i just find him an interesting guy to work with and talk with and, and sit down with um so um but he'll have his way and that's what i think is a secret to any coaches and you've got to be yourself as much as you can and and then uh know how your way can connect people together and get them on the same page and, and then forge something that means something to all of us together so you know joe will have his way he does that and um and it works it works and he's very good at being able to help guys understand how they can become better or how they can negate the habits that are probably not as good as they would like so he's got a good way of being able to do those things so i I'm looking forward to the whole thing. You know, if, if, if we get the right things aligned in the in the, in the game too, you know, we're, we're totally different to any other market. I wouldn't try and cut and paste what Irish or Opie have done or anyone like that. I'm pretty sure Peter Horn, Peter who's coming on will also understand that there's differences here, Demo, you know, not only geographically but demographically as well. You know, there's so many differences. So we will find the right way forward for sure if, if we all get to, you know, around the table and agree what those things, the important things are.
0: Mm. You, you spent time at Ulster. You go to London Irish, uh, not necessarily winning titles, but along the way, real steady progress. And you know you could see that. You could see the coach development. You could see the the player development. Um, players getting picked for England. Uh, a really successful young crop of players that came through London Irish, uh, particularly even the Henry Henry uh, uh, Arundels, um, uh, classy classy players. How do you like co- coaching is such a cutthroat industry where sometimes you are judged as successful uh, or, or a failure, depending on whether or not you win a title or not. How do you perceive success as a head coach where there's only ever one winner uh, per competition per year?
1: It's, it's a really in, in, important question, I think. The churn and burn of coaches is a tough, tough world. And, and sometimes, understanding and crystallizing what success really is is important. Um, the truth is, what's a 12-team comp here? Yep. Only one team can win it. Over and over 12 years, one team's gonna probably win it three times. So then you you it's reduced. Does that mean you're not successful if you don't win one? So um the ultimate success is to win the, the trophy. But you have to understand what the other successes are along the way. And, and that's probably unique for every team in certain ways. You know, your program, your development program, number of Wallabies, for example. Um, but that it, it's what it is because South Africa win the World Cup and there's how many countries play the game? Does that mean every other country is not successful somewhere? And I think there are important questions you've got to ask internally about your program and where you are. But the bottom line is the scoreline. At the end of the day, is is your big barometer, and that's how exciting part of it I find. The report card comes often and hard, and um, and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. And navigating through that is important. But, but I think you know, Lou Holtz, Notre Dame football coach, had a great saying about W I N. When what's important now? What's the imperative now? Win and, and and if you have that focus, you can win moments. And then if you get good enough, you can win enough good moments to get that trophy. Now, a lot of people discount the big word luck. Sometimes you need a bit of luck to get there as well. But there are some really big clues about good programs that you stay sustainably good enough to be at the at the table enough times. Um, you know, and, that, and that table being finals, contentions, home finals, things like that are really good markers about where a good team. Knows how to win those games enough to get yourself to those those points where sometimes it can be just the bounce of a ball, but sometimes you 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 actually get that momentum going and you're good enough to you go through. I remember the periods of the Six Nations when you know Irish rugby hadn't won anything for a long time, and in my first season there, we won the Grand Slam first one for sixty odd years, and suddenly it just opened up, and within you know the next ten years, we won another three or four. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting how those things happen. Mm. So some teams are just trying to work and stay there. And if you actually have the idea that if you don't win that trophy, then you slash and burn everything, then that's not a success because you haven't put things in place and had trust in the process and you had good communications and good organization, good systems and, and, and um, uh, growing uh, people yeah. in the club and in the game. It all tends to land on the coach, and we are responsible and accountable in the end. We are the head coach, but there are a lot of things that can be put in place. There, you can see the success in certain areas, and then if you do move a coach on, you are actually just growing on top of that success. If it's just change, slash them and then start from scratch again, then something else is wrong. So success has to be broader understood, but without escaping, the ultimate is that trophy. But you can get hijacked by that too, and you've got to know how to. Put a program together, build it, and 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 have other success touch points along the way, and understand that. And That'll be different for every every team and every club. Probably some things are common, but each coach will have their own personal reason about what is showing those success guideposts along the way.
0: Might come back to that in a moment. I, I want to ask: uh, when you win a Grand Slam with with Ireland, how much Guinness do you end up? consuming and and do you get just bought guinness left right and center by all the punters? i
1: remember the first one uh, i was i was fortunate enough to have three and each of them just become bigger than each time but, <laughs> um, the first one being the grand slam i don't think i put my hand in my pocket for at least a month <laughs> yeah and I, I, I i love a guinness but i i like two and then move on um but i would have drank more Guinness than i ever did in that first that month but it is it it, it because that is the important thing i think christy there's so many people who put their 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 life into the game yeah i mean or you know even in every sport you just invest in it as supporters or some form of stakeholder in the game and and when you see that joy come through you do take it seriously you have a you have a responsibility and when you get that point and that joy it's amazing i mean there's nothing more fulfilling and that's just talking about the fan base and the supporters and, and the sponsors and all those people but the staff and the players it's it's absolutely brilliant and um to reach those points is something you should always aspire to but but you must recognize along the journey that there are important things that you can also achieve. and if you you've got to have that capacity to do that and not 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 be you'll never be totally totally happy but you've got to show enough appreciation and happiness and and achievement in, in, in how you go about your business. When you reach certain things and you achieve certain things along the way, but there's nothing better than, than,
0: you know, winning it. That's for sure. I have here of course, just quickly as well. Uh, I I sat down with David and maybe 14 months ago in, in Dublin when I was over there before, Mm -hmm. uh, the test in November, 2022, and, and Nasi and told me a little bit about Christy Moore coming in to to talk to the the side every now and again, and and that's in fact who I'm named after. Is Christy oh, you Moore. really? Yeah, oh, he's a legend, mate. Well, yeah. He, Can you tell yeah. us a little bit about who this person might be, and, and did he come come in often?
1: Yeah, well, he came in every year. I was there for eight years, nine years, nine years. Yeah, so he would just come in and um, set up a, a guitar, a speaker system, and um, sometimes with no speaker system, it was just a tight room, and he just he just played the folk songs. He, he's a uh he sings about the heart of ireland you know, i mean he's, he's a poet and with a guitar and he's he's got some great songs and um it's quite fascinating when you join when you become irish in that way particularly through those mechanisms that i was involved in you know, i remember going out with the staff and you have a few beers and then you end up in a circle and there's eight or ten you you're, you're expected to sing or tell a poem at the end of the night you know and it's great crack um, one of the greatest words in the English language, by the way, crack, C-R-A-I-C. Um, it's great crack, but he'd, he'd get in there and he'd sing and then he'd go, um, Rog, Ronan, are you up for one? And the boys would go, ah So then Ronan would go up and sing his favourite song with him, you know what I mean? And uh, a Crowe, Callaghan, um, you know, the boys would put their hand up and go up you now, half a dozen guys would sing, but we'd all sing in the songs that you knew. Um, and, uh, but those moments, we were really special. He was a constant, really, and um, just a real comforting way that he'd come in into a tough campaign and you know sing some songs, relax, um, and spend some time with him. But he was—he is a true gentleman. Uh, loved the guy. He was great and just always very personable and, um, and gave his time freely. So you're named after a pretty special guy.
0: Those sorts of little things though, are quite big for cultures and teams. And I'm, I'm sure you bring that back to Queensland and perhaps we don't have that same Irish culture with singing and getting around in the room. But what are some of the things that you've done in this pre-season with Queensland coming back?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question because um, the first thing I've tried to do is understand Queensland and rugby where it is now. I, I didn't know it intimately when I was here previously, but the the biggest thing I've probably tried to lean on is is tying a, how close ties to this place, Valleymore, and understanding it better. And um, the games that we've had here, just enriching the guys in terms of the history of the place. I know we've always prepared here, but now it is becoming a, a place that's going to grow again. It's a, a rebirth of the spiritual home, isn't it? Of, of the game here in Queensland, if not you know, really a, a really formative part of what when Australian rugby's strong, valuable strong. And uh, I think those are the key things we've tapped into. Um, definitely, um, I, I want to engage more with some past greats, that's for sure. We can't not recognise enough some of the people who have donned the jersey and, and the people are important. I think it's one of the strengths of someone like Munster. Munster is a, a great brand, but if you're a, a Munsterman and you've played and you come back to that club, there is, there's a sense of real meaning and about that, you know, Donnick O'Callaghan walked into the Munster Performance Centre now. It, it, it wouldn't be bow and all that, it'd just be matter of fact, this is an important man here who, who, had, who gave his heart and soul with the club and, and just a recognition of the importance of what your legacies that you leave behind and, and people come back and remind you of that. It's important. So I would like to encourage that a little bit more here. Uh, that people feel really connected with us, and that they that they're welcome here, particularly if you, you've actually worn the jersey and and bled in it. I think that's important. Um, but that Ballymore, the fact that Ballymore is now even more centre stage is important for us. Uh, and I'll tap into more things around the, those things. But I the, I have a I have some really really good quality players that really appreciate where they are. They're they're a young group still, um, Brad's really forge together a guide group of guys who care about the place and now i just want to make a difference where i can and, and part of that is to try and understand where we've come from but also more importantly understand how we take something forward and leave something really really special going forward for people
0: it's still pretty young uh the age demographic is still pretty young yeah. i imagine you know brad Thorne was probably criticized for not being able to take that side to the next level but there was certainly a good base and foundation put in place um What are some of the things that you discovered when you arrived uh, at Ballymore and and some of the things that are going well and perhaps some of the things that do need to just, you know, be fixed a little bit?
1: The first thing I look at, and it's it's not an excuse for where they were, but where they prepared and some of the the environments they had to work on was challenging for a start. That's the reality. And I think they did exceptionally well with also what we've I've got a different start haven't I you know I've got a new facility um, we can manage heat training a bit better with with the environment we have here the fact that um you know the position that you had to work through in terms of, of reducing debt you know different modus operandi in terms of the of the business model all different things that I I have—I don't have that I have mm-hmm. a different model to work with. you know it's still we're, we're still very cost, cost focused and making sure we don't live beyond our means. And we try and keep those in the right place. So though all those things matter and how you can build things. But despite all that, there's a, there's a qualities within not only the playing group, but the, the, the professionals, rugby staff and and people in the QIU, they just, just good people who want to, want to make a difference. So what difference can I make? I guess I just had to come here and not try and be just a total change agent. I, I just didn't want to be that. I wanted to recognise some of the qualities that are here. I think there are some strong qualities. But um, but but uh, how do I grow those qualities that are unique to the group that I I brought here, a new uh, coaching team? How do those qualities relate to how we want to look at the game and build something important together? So I've been very collaborative in terms of including a lot of people about how we want to take this forward. I certainly have my convictions about the style or the the. the uh, I don't know styles the way, or the way that we we explore how good we can be um, in terms of what we have as our skill sets and our strengths. I certainly have those but the coaches were up to their eyeballs and how we forged that and, and the key players have been up to their eyeballs and how we make that bring that to life. So I just think I, I want to make sure they feel they've done their last three or four years in different levels of different players as they've grown and they're still a bunch of young guys really, but they do that justice. And I, and, and I don't want that to be missed. That doesn't mean we can win suddenly, but it certainly means that it's a, uh, it's got to be driven to another level of how they make sure they leverage that opportunity that they were provided with under probably the greatest legend ever wasn't he Brad? He's, he's an absolute legend, a good bloke. And he put something important together. So let's not let that down.
0: Yeah, and he's got so many phenomenal characteristics, and 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 hard work and discipline of some of those as well. Um, there was a bit of a perception that some players didn't weren't able to make that next step in terms of their own player development. And I don't know how much you watched. I remember you saying you watched most of the games from last year. But a Jordan Batiere that bursts on the scene in twenty seventeen goes to two World Cups. How much has he improved over that five to six years is perhaps questionable. Uh, Harry Wilson, maybe another one. Scott Robertson saying, oh, "I'm falling in love with this guy and his footwork. How much has he improved since he burst on the scene in 2020?" Do you like in your experiences of coachings, is it sometimes just saying things in a different way, or is it is it's just subtle technique changes, is it a liberation of how you play? How might you get those players to perhaps fulfil their potential? Perpet- potential
1: yeah and it's a good question i think part of every everything you mentioned really there's little bits of all of those things um just you know i've i've had some players who have played for me you know for some reason they move on there's never been a real you know moment where it, it, we didn't quite fit but they move on and they become better somewhere and sometimes it's the group of people in the environment you work with, a different way it's message and they get it or that type of time to mature is there. I don't think there's a complete answer for that, but I do. Uh, what I've tried to do is ensure that these, these guys um, are involved in how, what we're doing, that I, I uh, create an intensity of, of training environment, so they can really explore whether, how they fit. We have our principles a really forward strong principles that they attach to, so they're different principles, but that might be just a thing that just opens up another portal in their mindset that they mm. can they can find that another level. Um, there's not one complete answer, and it's not because something didn't exist before. it's just because something new is a way that cuts through something that he wasn't capable of at the time. and that might be a personal thing, it might be a professional thing, it might be a technique thing. They're all different, but but Geordie, part of the responsibility for him is to on the two, two World Cup veteran, I don't know, he's, he's bloody young still, I couldn't believe how young he is still, but you have to, don't live your age, live your experience, and um, bring your experience to the table every time, be the point of difference that you can every time, and, and that's my conversations around where these possibilities lie, you know, don't, age is just, what it is, your experience is the other thing. You know what I mean, and then and that's what you've got to be able to bring in and understand where that's taking you. You've got to reflect on on on, and everyone has to, as a coach you do as well, but you reflect on what's how's that going to make me me better tomorrow. Mm. And don't just because you've had two World Cups doesn't mean it's done right. how does it, how does it really live in its daily uh, application and you how you do your job and how you go best often and even that may be something that just excites him at a different level but he is capable more than capable of just being one of the world-class players in the back line definitely
0: you, you said before we came in uh the start of this interview you, you kind of touched upon oh you think there's a there are some really positive things in australian rugby there has been a fair bit of doom and gloom in the game and, and obviously the wallabies showing last year didn't reflect perhaps where australian rugby is but maybe it also Shine a spotlight on some of the things that were going wrong what are you what gives you confidence coming back into Australian maybe after so long around the direction of the game
1: whatever program and you get all you do get lost in that program you don't see the wood for the trees for everything else but you if you're in an international game you look at the internationals and you're looking at all the other teams but you're looking at yourself when you're in the in a competition uh, in the usc or for a while or in the um, premiership you 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 are very much into that mindset, that cocoon of how you go in relation to your your challenges there. So I watched Australian rugby and international rugby a, a bit more, but a, particularly Australian rugby, uh, and saw the qualities there. But we're an innovative, you know, our quality of play is is second to none when we get it right. So when I got back here, um, it's not that I forgot; it's just that I wasn't focused on it. And then, because then I had to watch every Super Rugby game that I could, watch all the Queensland games, uh, then I saw the other teams, the Australian team, and I was thinking, bloody hell, there's some really good talent here. There's some skill sets here. There's some things here that I went, bloody hell, I, I hadn't seen. I, I just hadn't recognised because I wasn't focused on it. So when I got into it more, I could see, well, there's skill sets here that, that it does take, particularly in the forwards. I found a lot of skill for forwards in the Northern Hemisphere. In the english premiership but there was you had to gain you had to work hard to get certain subtle skill sets in different ways out of them here they come a, a natural instinct's not the right word it, it's there but they they have the a better capacity to know how the skill works and how to use it and express it good
0: morning or...
1: yeah in ways that learned experience through being exposed to more sports i guess in a different way or variety or or we do just play that game this way in Australia. Now, they can sometimes put down a cul-de-sac of doom when you over-try it and, that, and the balls don't hit and all this time, but there is skill here and and some really explosively damaging types of players that have that, they, can, they don't only penetrate, they can put subtly into their game. And I, I think that that's really important to recognize. You know, I, you know, if we get aligned and we understand how we play our game and how we use those skill sets together and And have enough of a way that doesn't confine them, but allows them to open up and become free. Now, how do you build a structure to free someone? It's a really difficult one. How do I say, uh, play the game, look for the offload, but don't make a mistake? It's a really tough place to coach. You know, to get that sweet spot. Like here, I'm on. You're on that side. Play. Then you go. You know, when when you know the old saying. You know, the greatest ball players in in all forms of rugby league and rugby union was. What you define by the ones you don't try because you know when not to mm-hmm. if you'd overplay so how do you stop them playing and get that sweet spot right whereas probably the sphere is saying okay try it here we're willing to try more there it's it's probably trying to build that skill set not massively different but different enough to know that when i looked at it there's some real good talent here in many ways in terms of what we have at our disposal and i think yeah. Uh, you know, if we, if we can get on the common ground and, and um, see how it goes we, we're, we're a chance to do something. That's only a chance. that's all of So that's what I found that talent and what I saw was really good. We don't have the massive locks but we, but we have a different way we use our pack and our type 5. You know I mean, there's a different way that our, our skill sets come out. We've got some very I think good talented players. you know I, I'm not you know, size and all that can matter but it doesn't have to be de- the defining capacity of what's you're possible, what's possible. I don't think so. If you, You've got to find a way to make that work. And we're, and Australians are very creative and we know how to do that. And I think there's enough there to do that and make a difference in a short period of time.
0: Well, I know you've got to duck out in a moment. Oh, what I will say is that if you do find the same success that you found with Ireland, I'm sure it might not be Guinness you're being shouted for a month, but perhaps a bunch <laughs> of Forex, uh, and maybe that will taste i don't
1: know yeah that's yeah, yeah. good yeah look like, um i've sampled the, uh, the local brood and the craft. there's a lot of craft beers now isn't there yeah. I'm really enjoying it as well so um no it, yeah look if, if 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 i if i can leave something really positive and important over my period here i'll be really happy um the uh you know for this group of players they've invested a lot here at the reds I, you know the coaching team and that professional staff up there, um, I couldn't be. You know, it's brilliant that what they do on a daily basis. I hope we get a dose of luck at those. Everyone can experience something really positive for themselves. Nothing's given. We know that. We'll learn everything if we if we get it. If we get good, um, but we're willing to work hard to find out. And uh, if that's the difference I can help make with these people, I'll be happy. And and I'll I'll take a beer from (laughs) anyone.
0: Let's kiss. Thanks for joining. Thanks, Christy. appreciate your time.